You're welcome to go with me in Matthew chapter 24. I am digressing from our normal series, and I'm going to speak this weekend on the subject, Signs of the Time. I want to address things that we are seeing, we're experiencing in America and around the world right now in 2020, and give you a perspective from biblical prophecy. Now today I'm not speaking politically. If you think that I'm talking about a politician or a party, you will miss the message. I'm speaking prophetically, but understanding that the political and the prophetic often juxtaposed. This is the time to not be fearful. This is the time to not be timid. This is the time for the people of faith to rejoice. What time is it? Well, there's an old farmer who in their country home, in the living room downstairs, had an old grandfather clock. And the grandfather clock had the pendulum that swung back and forth. And at different times of the day, on the hour, it would sound out and ring the different dongs for the different times of the day, the, the count. Late one night, the farmer woke up in the middle of the night, and he heard the grandfather clock downstairs beginning to chime and ring out dong, 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 and he was counting to see what time it was. And it reached 11 to 12, but something the clock had never done before. It rang the 13th and the 14th time. Startled by this, he woke up his wife, said, Ma, wake up! It's later than it's ever been before. What I want to tell you today, prophetically, it's later than it's ever been before. We have never lived in an hour in a moment like this. And in Matthew chapter 24, this is the longest section in the New Testament in which Jesus himself teaches and instructs us on end-time prophecy. I'm going to invite you to join me. Keep your Bibles open and we will reference other scriptures. Beginning at verse number 3 and following. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Notice that word, sign. It's in the plural. Jesus will begin to answer it in verse 24 of this chapter. He's going to reference it in the plural, signs. The disciples thought there would be a sign. Jesus is going to reply and say there will be multiple signs. Signs of the time. Our family just a few weeks ago kind of got away for a moment during the COVID and decided to get the grandkids out and go on a short vacation. So we were trying to find a place where we could go and have some activity and do just do something for the grandkids. So we loaded everyone up in different vehicles and we took off on I-10 and we're going to uh, Florida, just the other side of Pensacola, just to spend some time, get the grandkids away. And I noticed as we were driving on I-10, when we were coming closer to cities and communities, signs would begin to appear on the road. 
billboard signs declaring at this exit you can get gasoline is this price you can eat here here are the different restaurants this is what you can do began to appear on on the road we were going down the road and the grandkids often choose where you eat you know what I'm talking about your kids and grandkids choose where you eat we, we, were, we were wanting to eat in some place that you could get a good meal, and the grandkids all voted they wanted to go to Taco Cabana. Yes, that's almost blasphemy when you think about Mexican food, you know, Taco Cabana. But there's where we decided. And, and Denise and I actually got off on the wrong exit. We had to do a turnaround. We were not paying attention to the signs, but we joined the family there. I'm talking about signs. What are the purpose of signs? Jesus said you will know the signs. Signs are indicators. They tell you what is coming. Signs inform you. They tell you why you need to go to a location. Gas is this price. This is what's available. Signs alert you when you need to get off. Here it is. Bucky's the next exit. You need to start getting over to the right lane. And signs give you direction. They tell you where to turn, where to turn in. What I want to suggest to us is in 2020, in the time in which we live, there are prophetic signs, and prophetic signs are given to us to rouse the faithful, to rouse, to awaken, to quicken, to to alert our focus in these times. Signs are given to us by Jesus. He outlined it. He said the day and the hour you won't know, but you'll know you're getting close by the signs. I knew we were getting closer to communities and cities by the signs. Events in the national and global level <laughs> present to us and remind us that we're living in prophetic times. I'd like to suggest to us that we're living in a prophetic inflection point. That God is doing and saying something now that's unique to this moment and this era. And God is sending out a clarion call to the faithful. He's rousing the faithful so we'll know the day and the hour in which we live. Let's continue reading in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 4 and following. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of war. See to it that you are not alarmed. Can I put that in your spirit? See to it that you're not alarmed. And all that's happening in 2020 in the economy and COVID and the events, see to it that you're not alarmed. And some of us spend all day watching CNN, the Crisis News Network. You feed on that five and six hours a day, and you're alarmed, you're worried, you're scared. Jesus said, see to it that you are not alarmed. Notice what Jesus continues to say. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Hmm. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Notice verse number 8. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. 
That's a key verse. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Jesus is going to take the metaphor of a woman with child, carrying a child to delivery, and he's going to impose, if you please, superimpose that, and a prophetic understanding to know the times in which we live. We know that from time of conception to delivery is a nine-month period of time broken down into three trimesters. The first trimester, the second trimester, the third trimester. There are times in the first and second trimesters of discomfort. Yes, I remember. I can still recall when my wife was expecting our daughters and she would say, oh, oh this and oh, I feel that. And sometimes she'd be a little nauseous in the morning and there, there were times of discomfort. But when you get to the third trimester, you move from discomfort to what they call labor pains, the words of Jesus. These are the beginnings of sorrow, the beginnings of, of pain. And sometimes in the third trimester, pains will be as such and contractions as such. The family will load up and go to the hospital and the doctor and the doctor will say, not yet. Not yet. This is false labor pains. It feels like it, but it's a false labor pain. You're not ready to be delivered. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying you're going to know you're moving into the moment by the labor pains. You will, you will pick up on it. But he said be careful to understand there are false labor pains. How many of you remember Y2K? Remember why it was a false labor pain? I had people in the church at that time said, Pastor, you need to order from this site. You can get barrels of grain and water and all of this because the world is going to shut down. I said, no, it's not. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Somebody handed me, then it was a VHS tape. You remember those days, VHS tape. You need to watch this, Pastor. The end of the world has come. I said, no, it's not. Y2K was a false labor pain. The Gulf War was a false labor pain. The, the introduction of Bitcoin was a false labor pain. But we're in that season in which the pains, the signs are increasing. I want to suggest to us that stepping into the 21st century, we were ushered into what I'm going to call the prophetic trimester. The prophetic trimester. You see, it's in the last trimester, the third trimester, that pains intensify and there's, there's the frequency of pain changes. It intensifies. It's not the discomfort of the second trimester, uh, the, uh, mester, but it's, the, it's an intensity of pain and the frequency of pain that alerts you you're in the third trimester. And I want to suggest that as we just glance over the 21st century, God has alerted, God is arousing the faithful, the body of Christ. We're living in the third prophetic trimester. 2001, 9-11 occurred. 
it's still a date that's etched in our minds, in our memories. It was on that infamous day that, that the United States was attacked on its own soil. It changed international travel. It changed travel in America. It changed the world. Following that, we have seen the rise of ISIS and the hatred towards Israel that has just sparked conflict in the Middle East. Again, the intensity and the frequency, the reemergence of the Russian bear. We all recall it was at the end of the 20th century that the Berlin Wall fell and the Soviet Union uh, collapsed and the nation of Russia, the country of Russia was, uh, came about. But we have seen in the 21st century the reemergence of the Russian bear. And we have seen in the last 10 to 15 years that bear is growing claws. It is meddling in election and it's exerting its influence around the world as predicted in the book of Revelation. Again, we have seen in the 21st century China emerging as not only a, a military but an economic superpower. John will tell us in the book of Revelation chapter number 6, he said, I, I, see, I see as it were a red dragon and she has power. Then he jumps into chapter 16 and he says, and that dragon is going to exert influence on the entire earth. We have seen that come to pass in the 21st century. The more recent realignment of Turkey from the west leaning towards the east is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Cracks in the NATO alliance are occurring. Brexit, which is the change of the European landscape based upon the economy. 2008, the Great Recession, in which we saw so quickly wealth could collapse. And it birthed the, the phrase, too big to fail. We move now into 2020, COVID-19. Jesus will tell us in Matthew, excuse me, in Luke chapter 21, verse number 11, he said in these last days, this prophetic trimester, he said there will be famines and pestilence in various places. What is a pestilence? A pestilence is a disease that, that is, is able to eradicate, able to spread so quickly. Jesus said in these last days there will be a pestilence. To date, COVID-19, they're telling us as many as confirmed cases in the world today, some 10 million cases, and some half million people have already succumbed to COVID-19. I would like to, for us to think about COVID-19 for just a moment. It has done something that has not occurred since the great flood of Noah. That is instantly at one time it has shut down the world. Oh, there have been times when a particular country, Greece or so forth, was, was going through an economic time or there was a coup in this country or there was turmoil in that area. But when has there been in human history, instantly across the world, the world, its economies and its governments have been arrested. They're telling us that half of the world right now 
is shut down because of COVID-19. And it's interesting to me, in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 37, Jesus is going to say, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the second coming of the Son of Man. What was it about the days of Noah? Is God predicting another universal flood? No. What is God saying? God's saying there is an event that shuts the world down. It, was, it happened simultaneously around the world. The flood did. It happened simultaneously around the world, and it influenced everyone on the world at the same time. And Jesus says, as it were, was it in that day, it will be in the days of the second coming of the Son of Man. And we see that COVID-19 has done that. Instantly, immediately, the world has been influenced by that. These are the beginnings of pain. We're living in that prophetic third trimester. The intensity and the frequency of pain is arising. Moreover, it's the economy that we're facing right now. They're saying that millennials are facing their second recession, unlike any other, any other generation that has been introduced. They, the, the Great Recession, and now our economy is in a second recession than they tell us has been since January. The economy of our world is affected by COVID-19. In the book of Revelation, the Bible talks about something called Mystery Babylon. When you read of Mystery Babylon in Revelation chapter 18, you can quickly interpret and realize it refers to the international economy around the world. It's, Babylon is not a military power. It's not a regional place. It doesn't have a boundary. It's not a country. The Bible says that mystery Babylon is around the world. What is it? I believe it to be our economic system in the world. It's Wall Street. It's the Japan Exchange. It's the London Exchange. It's the IMS, the International Monetary System. It's, it's the economy of the world that's tied together. It's the international economy. And right now, across the world, our economies of all nations have been impacted by COVID-19. Isn't it interesting what God's Word, the Bible, says about mystery Babylon in Revelation chapter 18, verse number 8. It says, in one day, in one day, a plague will overtake you and bring you to your knees. The Bible says the economies of the world will not be brought down by military conflict, will not be brought down by external force. It will be a it will be a plague that will come upon the earth and instantly cripple the economy. The economic systems in our country right now, this year, interest rates hit zero. There has been talk about taking interest rates below zero. In other words, paying people to borrow money. Paying people to borrow money. Uh, a barrel of oil hit zero this year. In other words, if you had a barrel of oil to sell, no one was willing and able to buy it. 
and it was stockpiled in resources and in warehouses. Business and commerce has stopped. The U.S. economy last year was slated as the strongest economy in the world. And today, just a few days later, just a few months later, the U.S. economy, our deficit purported to be this year is $3.6 trillion. The stimulus package, we are borrowing money to prop up our economy right now to the tune of what's estimated to be $3.6 trillion if there is no more stimulus package. How, how much is a trillion dollars if you paid a trillion dollars off? A dollar a second, one dollar a second, it will take 100,000 years to pay back what we have borrowed this year. What is it saying? These are the increase, the increase of labor pains. But Jesus is saying, you need to know something, the end is not yet. He said, I'm sending these signs to tell you. It's like watching a movie trailer. You see it, you don't see the whole movie, but you see a movie trailer, so you'll know what to expect. And God has sent signs out to the faithful to say, this is what it's going to be like, and God is showing us right now that things that are happening in our world are pointing to something that is yet to come but his word to us is don't be afraid in Matthew chapter 24 verse number 12 the scripture tells us another sign of this end of the age it says because of the increase of wickedness the love of most will grow cold what is that saying he's saying that there will be worldwide and in countries there will be an increase of wickedness and those who were fervent in their faith will be tolerant of, will excuse, will be dismissive of, and say, that's the way it is, and that's the way it should be. He talks about there will be a time in which there will be hate, brother will turn against brother. And we have seen unrest in our streets this year. By the way, let me just say in passing, there is a difference between a protest and a riot. A protest, people are out to voice their value. A protest is characterized by their voices. A riot is characterized by violence, and there is a difference. We're living in a day in which we're seeing an increase of wickedness. And the whole gender identity conversation that's happening in America today and around the world, there's a category given in that whole formula, and it's Q questioning. That is to say, if you, don't, you haven't decided, you might want to change your mind. What your sexual identity is, you fall in the category of Q questioning. Judges and politicians that will take the oath of office by placing their hand upon the Bible, and in their oath of office, they will be set in by saying these words so help me God and then step into their positions and step into their places and then they will begin to e issue edicts and laws and and statements that are contrary to God's word when there is a moral and an ethic in our society today that people classify gender selection in marriage as a civil right and not a moral principle I'm talking about 
the increase of wickedness. In America right now, if you were to kick a dog on the street, if you were to intentionally harm a dog, you could be arrested for cruelty to animals. But today in America, there is the mass murder of babies, 900,000 a year called legalized abortion, and it is celebrated as a human right, the increase of wickedness. When the shutdown initially happened, they told churches and they told pastors, close your doors. But liquor stores and abortion clinics were not closed down. They were essential. What was the philosophy? That abortion and liquor stores are essential and God is not essential. The increase in wickedness. Matthew chapter 24 tells us, verse number 21, as we move into this prophetic trimester, as there is the increase of intensity and labor pains, the increase of sorrows. He said you're going to know it because Jesus says it will be great distress unequaled. Oh, there's always been times of economic uncertainty and there's been political unrest in one quarter. At times, one government or one economy or one section of the economy has been in trouble and has, has suffered a time of recession. But Jesus said, you're going to know you're in the third prophetic trimester when it is unequaled. And that's where we are today. Jesus will tell us in Matthew 24, verse number 33, he says, even so, when you see all these things begin to happen, you need to know the end is near, even at the door. What is God doing? He's sending out a clarion call to the faithful. He's telling the faithful, I'm showing you that in a day and in a moment, economies can be crippled, it will happen, the Antichrist can rise on the scene, things that can happen without, the, without one missile being fired. The world, the landscape of the world can change. But again, his message is, don't be disturbed. Don't be fearful. Because the events that are going to come are going to happen in a period what we call the Great Tribulation. And God is getting his bride, the body of Christ, ready for a great escape called the rapture of the church. There's going to come a time in which before the birth of of that sorrow before the birth of destruction comes, God's going to say to his people, it's time to come home. And the redeemed of God, we will be caught up together with the Lord, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Let me bring three things to us today as I bring this message to a close. The first thing I want you to know is God teaches us unequivocally in his word, repentance brings deliverance repentance brings deliverance where we need to be with God is we need to have a spirit and an attitude of repentance that is to say as a nation and as a family and as an individual we need to be repentant of where America has fallen where our world is and as believers huddle to God with a repentant spirit you see, throughout Scripture and throughout human history, God has taught us over and over again, repentance brings deliverance. Examples, let's go back to the flood of Noah. The flood of Noah. 
It was because of the unrepentant world the flood happened. But I remind you, Noah and his family were saved. But an unrepentant world met judgment. But for those who were repentant, God's people, they were safe in the ark. A second time in history is when the nation of Israel was in slavery in Egypt. And God brought judgment upon a nation. The flood, he brought it upon the world. But in in Egypt, he brought it upon a nation. Why? Because the Pharaoh would not repent. But what did God do? Before the destroyer, the death angel, would walk through the streets and throughout Egypt and bring destruction and and judgment upon them. God says, if you have the blood applied to your doorpost, it will pass over you and you will be delivered. There's a third example in human history, and this is now is a city. We see it as the world, we see it as a nation, and we see it as a city. That Abraham went to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and said, God's going to bring judgment because of the increase of wickedness. And God would say, if there's just ten people, he'll spare the city, and you need to come out. The city was unrepentant. Abraham Lot and his family walked out of that city and judgment rained down from heaven upon that city. But God always sends a voice and says, if you will turn and repent, you will be delivered. I say that to us today, that repentance always ensures, always ensures deliverance in our life. We cannot change international events, but you know what we can do? As people of faith, we can humble ourselves and say, God, without you, I'm nothing. God, without you, I'm nothing, and I'm going to live close to the cross, and I'm going to walk with Jesus. Number two, I share with you, God protects his faithful. God protects the faithful. That's God's promise. Matthew chapter 24, verse number 13 says, the one who stands firm in the end, they will be saved. What do you do? What do you do? Just stand firm in the end. You don't have to be fearful of COVID. Don't have to be fearful of the economy. Don't have to, we don't have to be caught in the polemics. We can just have faith in Jesus because God says, I'm going to protect the faithful. In every instance, whether it was the flood, whether it was Egypt or Sodom and Gomorrah, God sent out his call to his people. He said, come to me. And those that gather around me, they will be protected. They'll be preserved. And number three, I share with you, that is, God wins and the devil loses. (laughs) God's going to (laughs) win. And the devil is going to lose. In this whole scenario, whatever the devil tries, every trick, every scheme, He has been plotting against Israel and the kingdom of God and God's people from the the inception of time. And God's going to have the final verdict and he's going to show the devil at the end, you're going to lose. I want you to think for just a moment, just hypothetically for a moment. What if I announced and I told Denise, I said, Denise, I want to try something I've never done before. I want to get involved into into cage fighting. I want to be a cage boxer, okay? And I have written a letter, and there is a gentleman by the name of Connor McGregor, and he's willing to get in the ring with me. She says, you know who Connor McGregor is. He is he's a champion. 
He has decimated everybody. I said, but babe, you don't understand. I'm taller and I weigh more than him. I'm, I've got more behind me and, and, and I'm going to get in the ring. It's only, it's only three rounds, five minutes each. What would happen? Denise would call Pastor Brent and say, would you be willing to do his memorial service? Because he's going to be decimated. In other words, going into it, you know who's going to win and you know who's going to lose. Are you following me? I want you to know, this book tells us we know who's going to win and we know who's going to lose. God wins and the devil loses. Amen. I mentioned the onset we're traveling to Florida on the trip. The road signs were there. The grandkids, they're in, with their parents and vehicles, they pulled off, and somehow I, somehow I missed the exit. I mean, Denise was driving. I was just holding the steering wheel, but she was driving. We we missed <laughs> we missed the exit. Yeah, you missed the exit. I said, okay, we'll keep. we went down and. There's something called a turnaround. A turnaround. And it brought us to where we should be. Do you know that that's the exact definition of repentance in the Bible? Is turning around. Turning around. And I'm going to give you an invitation tonight, today, to turn around. If you have you've been living for the Lord and you've seen your faith grow cold and you've seen your heart drift over the last several months or years and world events has awakened your heart that's exactly what Jesus wanted to do signs are to arouse the faithful God's calling you back to him what do I do? repentance repentance puts you back in right relationship with God if you've been on a faith journey, but you have never committed your life to Jesus, I'm going to give you that opportunity today. The opportunity for you to make a commitment to Jesus as Savior and Lord. For you to settle this day, to mark this day on the calendar. If tomorrow the trumpet would sound, I would be a part of the redeemed. And I'm going to miss the holocaust of human judgment that's coming upon planet Earth. Repentance will bring you into the family of God. I'm going to ask everyone here in this room to bow your heads and close your eyes. And for our online church, for just a moment, I give you the same invitation. Perhaps you're watching in a living room, in your study, on the back porch, and your heart has been touched and moved, and you've never made a commitment to Jesus, you can do so. Perhaps you've wandered from the Lord and grown cold and been distracted, but something has awakened your heart to return to the Lord. You can do that now. And in the online uh, church, in the comment section, I'm going to ask you to do what I'm going to ask people in this room to do, do is call upon Jesus. And if you will just type in Jesus in the comment section. It's not the typing of the word Jesus but it's when the heart calls upon the name of the Lord. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, they are saved. 
And I'm going to invite you to do that right now. And you're going to begin to give in direction online a way to connect and how we can encourage you in your faith walk. But those in the room, if you're ready to make a commitment to Jesus, either for the first time or recommit your heart to the Lord, recommit your life to the Lord, I'm going to invite you on the count of three to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to audit your heart, audit your faith. Where are you with God? And if you're not serving God wholeheartedly, your hand needs to go up. If, if you've had a casual interest in God, you have a general belief in God as a supreme being, but you've given him other names and you've assigned other definitions to God other than Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, your hand needs to go up. If, if you're in a faith journey and you've, you've been wondering and questioning, but something has, has prompted your heart, that you know Jesus is the only means of salvation, your hand needs to go up. And on the count of three, I'm going to invite you to do that. So here's the most important question you've been asked this year. It has nothing to do with screening. All those questions on screening are important. But this is the most important question you're going to be asked this year. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And if not, the count of three, your hand needs to go up. One two, three. That's me. Yes, just hold it up for a second. Yes, in the balcony. In the, yeah. Yes. Hold your Everyone with your hand up. God understands and God sees your heart. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. Online, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. This prayer, if it comes from your heart, will ensure your salvation will ensure you're a part of God's will ensure that you will be you will be preserved from the judgment that's going to come upon the world and the fact that you're here today and your hand goes up tells me you have the ability for your heart to hear God so this is the prayer that you pray you can pray this exact prayer as I pray it or a prayer similar and personalize it but this is what I want you to pray Heavenly Father I come to you in the name of Jesus. I've been on a journey, but of late I have discovered and rediscovered that my life is not right with God. And today, I want to make things right with God. I believe that Jesus Christ is God's one and only Son and only means of salvation. Now, I invite Jesus into my life. While I may not fully understand what that means, it seems the right thing to do. It seems like Jesus has not been at the center of my life, but today, but today, I invite Jesus into my life. Heavenly Father, I call upon you. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive my sin. Forgive my disinterest. Forgive my weakness. Forgive God. I can't name all my failures. I don't need to. I just ask you, as Jesus told us, forgive us our sin, our trespasses. And I ask you to accept me into your family. I declare this day 
that I will serve God for the rest of my life. I declare this day that God's priorities will be my priorities. I declare this day that I'm going to put Jesus number one in my life by serving him wholeheartedly. And now, Father, for those who have prayed that prayer both in this room and online, I pray the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. I pray, God, the quickening power of salvation and the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus to wipe away their sin. And I welcome them into the family of God. And some, I welcome them back to serving the Lord. I pray your blessing and your, your hand of provision upon their family, upon their home, upon their life. And I thank you for their commitment to faith today. In Jesus' name.